All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing, and we're going to give you a quick recap of this week in sports. Johnny, how you doing? Uh, good. It's been a kind of a chaotic week, you know, obviously with the president getting COVID and now the Patriots having their issues followed up, you know, following the Titans having their issues and just seems like this is how it's going to be for the rest of 2020. And we're just going to have to find ways to work around it. It's not going to be fair for everyone and watch out for it and learn to make alternate plans. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we got we had a little bit of that today. Uh, Marty isn't joining us, and uh, we just spent the last half hour dealing with technical issues. So got to just keep it moving. Uh, and in the spirit of that, why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off with our number 56 for episode 56. Okay, this is a, a, a staple player from sports, uh, you know, one of the easy ones. So Lawrence Julius Taylor is my number 56. Uh, obviously, nicknamed LT, the original LT, is an American former football player. Played his entire career as linebacker for the New York Football Giants from 1981 to 1993. Um, widely considered to be the greatest defensive player in the history of football. Born February 4th, 1959, so he's 61 years old. Comes from Williamsburg, Virginia. Six foot three, 238 pounds. Uh, went to Lafayette High School in Virginia. Uh, went to North Carolina, was a Tar Heel in college. He was the second overall pick in the 1981 NFL draft for the Giants, obviously. Two-time Super Bowl champion in 1986 and 1990. Ten-time Pro Bowler, eight-team first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, and, and something that's very rare, uh, he was the NFL Most Valuable Player in 1986 and the Sporting News NFL Player of the Year in 1986, the three-time AP NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1981, 82, and 86, and numerous other awards I could just go on and on, but obviously his number 56 is retired in the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the Giants Ring of Honor, um, 1,089 career tackles, 132 and a half sacks, which is what he was known for, 56 forced fumbles to match his number, and nine interceptions. Uh, if you ever watched Lawrence Taylor play, you know what a disruptive force he was. You know that you know he played for Belichick when Belichick was the defensive coordinator for the Giants way back then, and he absolutely raves about Lawrence Taylor. And we also know about the troubled life that he led off of the field, the the women and the drugs, you know, the prostitutes, you know, uh, and I think he's clean now and it's only been a few years, but even when he retired, he still went through his share of troubles off the field and, you know, the stories of him partying the nights, be nights before games and even into the morning and getting no sleep and playing games are legendary, legendary stories. So uh, quite the character. Uh, like I said, definitely a sports staple. Uh, 56 is pretty easy this week with Lawrence Taylor, so that's mine. All right. Awesome. I always thought LT was uh, Lawrence Timmons, but, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Ernesto, there's LT, the original. There's LT, 
two, which is Ladanian Tomlinson. Now there's an LT3, which is fraudulent. <laughs> uh, Logan Thomas, tight end for the Redskins, but he's he's no good. But there was never an LT4 for Lawrence Timmons, so no, I, I think no. I think he's out of that out of the loop there. Oh man. well uh that actually reminded me i'm very excited um for our new segment uh and to find out what your fraud of the week is going to be uh this week but we'll get to that later first we got to do my 56 also another easy layup sergey alexandrovich zubov born in russia those i'm fairly certain I don't know how to read those symbols. <laughs> um, but he was born July 22nd in 1970. He played for the Dallas Stars, the New York Rangers, and the Pittsburgh Pen- Penguins in the National Hockey League, as well as uh, Ska St. Petersburg in the KHL. Zubov is a two-time, two-time Stanley Cup champion, once with the Rangers in 94, and then that famous Stars team in 1999, and was just recently inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2019. He is considered one of the best offensive defensemen in NHL history. And when he won those the first cup, he became, uh, along with Alexander Karpovtsev, Sergei Nemechenov, and Alexei Kovalev, became the first Russians to have their names engraved on the Stanley Cup. So that's a cool distinction for him. He was a gold medal winner in 92 uh, with the unified Russia team, those, uh, those post-Soviet teams. In 1,068 games, he had 152 goals, 619 assists for 771 points, uh, and also 24 playoff goals, 117 playoff points. A uh, very prolific player, played from... The 88-89 season to the 2009-2010 season. That's my number 56, Sergei Zubov. He was one of those uh, bubble guys on the uh, Hall of Fame front where the numbers maybe weren't quite there, but but his impact to the game, especially being one of the first Russians uh, to, to, to get their name on the cup. And, you know, just what, just what he meant to those teams that he was on. You know, some sometimes, you know, the the numbers don't necessarily have to be there to warrant the Hall of Fame nod. So I'm glad he made it. My number fifty six, Sergey Zubov. Excellent. All right, and moving right along, Major League Baseball divisional series uh, have kicked off, and we'll start with the ALDS: uh, Oakland and Houston. Houston leading uh, two to one. Yeah. So this one has been. Frustrating, obviously, because I think everybody wants to see Houston get eliminated. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, the Oakland days are a notorious choker in the playoffs. And it's just something they've, they've done year after year after year after year. I thought maybe this year was different because they they made it through an advanced around beating the White Sox in the first round. But the Astros have been taking it to them in this series. They were up two games to none, and they came close to taking the series today. But the A's fought back, and they were able to pull it out, winning 9-7. to seven. So there will be a game four tomorrow. But if the A's are going to advance past the Astros in this one, they're going to have to win two more in a row. 
uh, making it three in a row, which is you know it's tough, tough to do against a good team in baseball. So, um, and it's the A's, unfortunately. So, as much as nobody wants to see it, it does look like the Astros are going to advance to the ALCS. Okay. Uh, the other uh, series happening in that conference is the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees uh, tied up one to one. Yeah, so the Yankees came out swinging, and Giancarlo Stanton had a couple home runs uh, in the first couple, first two games, and he looks really good. He's been a playoff choker his entire career. Uh, the Yankees took game one. Tampa Bay took game two last night, and Tampa Bay is up 5-1 to one so far in game three in the fourth inning. Uh, I think everyone expected this series will be going uh, the max five games, and it looks like it's headed in that direction. Um, I give the slight edge to the to the Rays, but you know that could easily change. The Yankees have a potent offense. Uh, the Rays have better pitching, so uh, it's close. Uh, we'll see. Um, I definitely am not rooting for Yankees Astros, though. I think Marty was mentioning this the other day that who do you root for in a Yankees Astros series? I I mean, I, I guess I'll go Astros, but because I can't really root for the Yankees I, as a Red Sox fan for my entire life. That's just a. I mean, I guess we'll cross this bridge next week when we get to it, but could be quite the conundrum. Mm, definitely. Okay, and then on the other side, well, <clears throat> okay, and then for the other series, uh, the in the NLDS, we had the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres with the. Dodgers taking the first game. Yeah, so everyone's, I think, favorite dark horse sleeper team, the San Diego Padres and Fernando Tatis. They, if you watched game one last night, they just, they lost five to one and they just looked kind of overmatched. And the Dodgers are just so deep from top to bottom, uh, lineup wise and pitching wise. And the Padres have some good players, some good pieces. But they're just not on the level that the Dodgers are on. They're just not. And to expect them to win the series, you know, anything can happen in baseball, yes. But I just – I feel like after watching that game last night, I'm a little discouraged as, as a Padres fan rooter uh, this year. I'm a little discouraged thinking that this is going to be really tough for the Padres to pull out this year because the Dodgers are just too good. And Kershaw's going tonight. Oh, and, and to boot, so the, the best pitcher for the Padres – uh, Mike Sunshine Clevenger, who they traded for for the Indians, has biceps issues, but he came back and started game one for the Padres last night, but he only lasted an inning, and now he's been taken off the ro the roster uh, for the NLDS completely because those arm issues popped back up. So that's a big blow. There's a big blow for them, losing their best pitcher. So they're already at a disadvantage. Now they're at a bigger disadvantage. So unfortunately... You know, we'll see what happens. They're down one games to none to the Dodgers, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But it doesn't look promising for the Padres. But they have Ooh. Tatis, so we'll see. Okay, and then finally we have the Atlanta Braves and the Miami Marlins. Braves are up 2 nothing. Correct. So yesterday the Marlins jumped out to a 4-1 to lead in game one, and it was just like – before the series started, and I was looking at the teams, and I'm looking at the Miami Marlins lineup, and I'm like, I'm just going down the list here. Birdie. Okay, Aguiar. I know him. Garrett Cooper, I know him. Brian Anderson, he's okay. 
Rojas, Dickerson, Brinson, Wallach, Sierra. You know, they lost, they were traded for Starling Marte. You know him, obviously, as a former, mm -hmm. as a Pirates fan, former Pirate. Uh, he broke his hand in the first round of the playoffs, so he's gone. So I'm just looking down the lineup, and I'm like, how the hell are the Miami Marlins going to win? I just, it, it doesn't add up. Uh, so anyway, they jump out to a 4-1 to lead yesterday. And it's like, oh, my God, the Miami Mar Marlins magic is going to continue. Like, somehow they're going to keep pulling this out. But, but reality came back, and the Braves came back and won 9-5 to yesterday. And um, on the heels of some really good pitching today from rookie pitcher Ian Anderson, they won two, two to nothing. So they're also up in the series, two games to none. And now they have the Marlins on the brink of elimination tomorrow. And, yeah, so it looks like it was a fun stay while it lasted for the Marlins, but they are likely out of it. So going forward, you know, as, as it looks right now, it looks like it looks like the Rays. Uh, I'm sorry. It looks like the the Braves and the Astros are likely to advance. Uh, the Rays have an edge, and the Dodgers have an edge. So we're looking at we're looking at the Rays versus Astros, and we're looking at Dodgers versus Braves, likely in the championship round next week. That could change, but that's what we're looking at right now. So we'll see. Okay, and uh, at this point in the game, if you wanted to put any money on one of these teams to uh, to take it all the way. Who do you think? Dodgers. Looks... Still. Yeah. Well, they're not. They're, they're the favorite, so you're not going to get a good return on your money and your investment. Uh, but I think they're. I think that they're like plus three hundred. So you know, if you want to throw a hundred down and you'd get three hundred back, if they win the whole thing. I mean, if they're one of the final four teams, that's. I think that's reasonable at this point. Okay, and moving right along to the NBA Finals, the Kobe Bryant Memorial LeBron James Invitational. The Lakers are eight three to one. Yeah, so Sunday night was the stunner of stunners, and I think not many people noticed it because of there was a you know Sunday's football day during football season. But Sunday night, the Heat without Goran Dragic, their point guard, and Bam Adebayo, their All Star center. Jimmy Butler went crazy for 41 points, and the Heat upset the Lakers 115 to 104. And so they were down in the series two games to one. Uh, no home court advantage in the series because it's playing being played in a bubble, obviously. So being two games to one kind of makes it a series potentially. Yeah, the the script is written to tie it up and make it yeah. a, a best of three. But. You know, the, so the Heat got Adebayo last back last night, but they didn't get Dragic back. Uh, and the the Heat played a very close game for the duration, uh, but the Lakers found a way at the end. LeBron James was just too much. Uh, Anthony Davis chipped in with 22 points, but uh, and LeBron was saying earlier in the day, just he was telling his teammates how important the game was to him and his legacy, and so he came through, and so did his teammates came through for him as well. Um, because we know it's all about LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the chances are that uh, if if he wins here, it'll be a walk off? Uh, no, I, nope. I just he's playing too well. He's he's Did, not he's not done with the me show. No, he's not. I, I you know as much as I hope and pray for it, 
I just don't see it because he's playing too well. He's playing. Wait. He he has the game figured out. It like, I guess it's what it's like if you're someone who doesn't like Tom Brady. It, you know, it's just like the guy's old and he continues to perform at a high level. Um, I guess that's probably the most similar feeling if you aren't really a fan of LeBron James because he's getting older, but he seems like you know on a level that's different than just being super athletic, you know, on a, I, I, I'm not, I'm searching for the word that I'm looking for. Well, the, on, the game slows heavier. down. Yeah. The game slows down for these guys and they, they can, they can be more cerebral is probably. The yes. That, that, here you go. All right. That's, and, that's why you're here. And one of the issues that a lot of that most um, guys uh, get is that their body just ages out of the ability to keep up with where their head's at. They're, the the legs just aren't aren't there anymore. So I, I suppose, yeah, if you could still um, perform at that elite physical level, then, you know, why not keep going? However, um, legacy-wise, what do, you, what do you think kind of works better, uh, the, the triumphant walk-off or the uh the slow decline and, and where do you see lebron going here well in today's nba world it is and especially now that he's on the lakers you know he's not on cleveland anymore so he's got a place where the best players and the the best second tier players want to go and want to play in LA to play for a franchise like the Lakers and win in LA and live in a, a nice city like LA where the weather's nice. And then, you know, you have all those extra, extra added benefits. Um, you play winning basketball, you can play with LeBron James. And so I think for him, oh man, just thinking about it and talking about it is is kind of getting me upset. He could go another three, five, six years, maybe, you know, especially if he has Anthony Davis and say somebody else goes and plays with, with him in, in LA and that's totally feasible. Then he doesn't have to do as much and he can let Anthony Davis and whoever else carry the load. And, you know, he can just pitch in as needed, but legacy wise. Yeah. That's legacy wise. That's only going to enhance it for, for him. You think the Lakers finish this up? In the uh, in the next game, gentlemen, sweep. Yes, I do. Yep, I, I do that. So they say that Dragic is doubtful uh, for Friday night, game five. Um, yeah, it's gonna take it's gonna take a an a, another serious effort, and you know, I think that maybe some heroics. Yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> some Tyler heroics. Yeah. Some heroics, and he hasn't played that well either because he's he's just been. Uh, I think he's just nervous, which is expected because yeah. he's young and you know he's not shooting the ball very well, not shooting the ball efficiently. So I don't know. I I could they extend it to six? Yeah, maybe, but I don't think so. I think the Lakers end it in five. Okay. All right, you heard it here first. It's a lock. <laughs> All right, John. Now it's uh. Now it's our new favorite time of the week. Mm. It's time for Johnny's fraud, 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 fraud of, of, of the week, 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 week. Okay, so this week, okay, so first of all, I think the segment should begin with 
the definition of fraud is <laughs> Webster's Web, defines yep. fraud as, as a noun, wrongful or criminal deception intended to result in financial or personal gain. Okay. So last week we had two. We had the old standby Kyrie Irving, and then we had uh, Tyler Harrow, uh, posing as a black basketball player, <laughs> even though he's white. But this week, for the second edition of the Fraud of the Week, there was lots of choices, and one of them was me, <laughs> because I'm struggling with the teams to root for these days, uh, but... That, I, that didn't get the uh, the call this week. It's not going to be me. Um, then I was thinking maybe it's Jack Easterby, who is now the interim GM for the Houston Texans after Bill O'Brien got canned today as the coach and GM. Uh, you may remember that he was the character coach of the Patriots a couple years ago and slithered his way into the Texans organization, taking some uh, Patriots names along with him. Um, but, no, he didn't make it. Then I thought maybe the A's – because they choke and they're choking again and they're failing to knock out the Astros and letting the country down, uh, but they didn't make it. Then I thought maybe the Heat, because they're just a middling franchise, a middling Eastern Conference franchise that you know only got to the finals because of the bubble situation. If they had to play you know, against the teams like in, at Milwaukee and if they had to go at Boston, then they never would have made it this far. And now that they're in the finals, they're being exposed. Uh, but that didn't do it. Uh, then I thought maybe the NFL, okay, because the NFL and their new COVID policies, um, it seems kind of fraudulent to me. It seems to me like for the NFL, it's all about to get the games on Sunday. COVID, don't you dare get in the way. Then I thought maybe the Arizona Cardinals, who I personally hyped up at the beginning of the season along with the many other many other people, now that they've lost two games in a row, and they lost a brutal game to Carolina last week. Um, we also thought the Dallas Cowboys defense was pretty fraudulent this past week Ooh, going against yeah. the Cleveland Browns. Um, then we thought maybe I thought maybe the Houston Astros. So there is a lot to choose from this week. But I decided to land on Pat the Patriots quarterback situation. So the Patriots quarterbacks, once Cam Newton was named to be out with COVID on Saturday before the Monday the Sunday game actually against the Kansas City Chiefs, and then the game was postponed until Monday. Uh, I think everybody was kind of like, oh, man, what are we going to do? We're going to start – the Patriots going to start Brian Hoyer? Well, if they do, that's okay because he's been in the system for years. He's been in the NFL for 12 years. Um, he's started games for many different teams over the years, and he's a capable backup, and he knows what he's doing, and he learned under Tom Brady for so long, and Bill Belichick has him around for a reason. And then he thought, well, and if he doesn't do it, well, we got Jared Stidham. And we were told by the Patriots media cartel all offseason long, he was ready going to go. back to last season, that he was the next guy, the heir apparent to Tom Brady was going to be Jared Stidham, right? Even in the offseason, they, they said, oh, if Jared, Jared Stidham was in this year's draft, he would have been taken – before Justin Herbert, after Joe Burrow. Um, you know, he would have been taken in the early first round if he was in this year's draft, we were told. And then the Patriots went, and they went months and months and months after letting Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay and, you know, essentially releasing him from the team. 
And they went months without signing a quarterback before finally settling on Cam Newton in early July. And we were told that it was going to be Jared Stidham because he was ready. Well, it comes to Monday night, and the Patriots are playing the Chiefs. And my God, you know, you go into this game and you're like, not expecting much because, you know, it's the Patriots playing at the Chiefs on a Monday night. And the Chiefs are, I think, well known as the best team in the NFL. And playing in Kansas City is no easy feat when you have your starting starting quarterback, um, let alone with your backup. So, And not to mention all the COVID issues that the Patriots had to deal with. Uh, as like for one, going on two separate planes, one out of Providence, one out of Boston, uh, a COVID plane flying to Kansas City on the same day as the game, and then they were going to be coming back after the game. So then we're talking about a 22-hour workday on Monday. So I think that a lot of people said Do the Patriots have a chance chance of beating Kansas City in this game. Hell no, hell no. But as the game unfolded, Belichick and the Patriots they played like you know. They've, we've known them to play over the years. They played um, a slow it down kind of defensive games, and they and they confused Patrick Mahomes early in the game. Uh, the score was six to three, about to go into halftime, and that's when Brian Hoyer, who the Patriots chose to start this quarterback because we thought he was the smart one and would do the the smart thing and do the right thing, and you know just not you know we thought you wouldn't lose the game because of the quarterback in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, right before halftime, he all they needed to do was just throw the ball away because they were out of timeouts. And instead, he calls uh, for a fourth timeout, which obviously they didn't have because you only have three timeouts and a half. Well, actually, he gets sacked, and then he motions to signal for a fourth timeout. Uh, so clearly, he thought that there was a fourth timeout, and it cost the Patriots three points, and the score was six to three. And... Do you know at one point in that game between the second and third quarter, the Patriots ran 32 out of a possible 38 plays in that game without scoring a freaking point? Uh, So similar scenario in the third quarter with about five minutes to go, the Patriots had another drive down the field, another 12 or 13 play drive, which they had a couple of in this game. Uh, Down the field, they get down to the five-yard line, and once again, Hoyer gets just – he just can't punch it in. And then all they, they needed to do was go down, and then they can kick, the, kick a field goal to tie it up and make the game 6-6. Six to six. But instead, he, he thinks he's Fran Tarkenton or Roger Starbuck <laughs> or, or Randall Cunningham. I don't know who Brian Hoyer thought that he was in this scenario. But he didn't realize that he was Brian Hoyer and just go down or throw the ball away. And he gets sacked, and he loses the ball, and Kansas City gets it. And, of course... At this point, it's like how many chances can you not? How many chances are you going to get and not come away with points and allow the and the Chiefs not going to respond and score points on their own? So naturally, the Chiefs go down and they score and make it thirteen to three. And then at that point, Belichick has said, "I have had enough of this because this isn't going to win the game." And he goes to the other backup, and Jared Stidham, and. Jared Stidham comes in the game, and he looked we, nervous. Oh, he he did not look good. He had one one nice ball. The touchdown to Nikhil Harry was nice, but other than that, <laughs> so you know, and it didn't. Obviously, that was the the high point of the game for Jared Stidham and the Patriots, since they made the score thirteen to ten. But the final result was a twenty six ten defeat. There were interceptions that that followed, and you know, his overall numbers well, the, were not good. 
technically there was an interception that had directly before that. I okay. Mean, it was, it was yeah, called uh, back on the uh, on uh, a, a questionable DPI call. Okay. So for me, fraud of the week is the Patriots backup quarterback situation because it's not just because of what we have. It's because we were sold a bill of goods that as Patriots fans that Brian Hoyer was a quarterback who wouldn't lose you the game. And we were also sold a bill of goods that Jared Stidham was going to be the next big guy. He was going to be the next guy. We were told that he was better than Jimmy Garoppolo was at this point in his career as a Patriot. So these are things that we were told and we were sold. And to that, I say, no, I saw, I saw what happened. And I say, no, fraudulent. Okay, there it is. Johnny's fraud of the week. All right, John. Well, let's let's talk about the big old sickly elephant in the room. The COVID situation in the NFL right now is pretty scary. There are some. Um, just today, we learned that Stephon Gilmore, old Gilly Locks, um, has been diagnosed with the COVID after uh, reportedly having dinner with Cam Newton on was it Friday? Friday night. Yep. Friday night they have dinner. Uh, Cam is diagnosed on Saturday, uh, and then Stefan Gilmore uh, just today, and reportedly uh, Pat Mahomes is not feeling so well, uh, has uh, taken to sleeping uh, in a different room than his, as you put it, uh, buck-tooth pregnant <laughs> bitch of a wife. Um, girlfriend. And- his girlfriend. Oh. He didn't put a ring on it. I thought he did. Oh, maybe fiance, but yeah, not definitely not not married yet. Oh, okay, all right. At any rate, she's already got the bag in hand, man. She she already. Oh yeah. <laughs> she's already oh, yeah. got half a hand on the bag. Yes, she does. <laughs> she's got two hundred mil of that four hundred mil. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, after after dapping up uh, Stefan Gilmore after the game. Seems to be a clear uh, mode of transportation and, and for for the virus and and uh, also everyone that everybody else has been in contact with. We saw this when they when the Titans were diagnosed that you know it was three players one day uh, and then by the end of it, it's still 20- they still had two more today. Nesto, they had two oh. more ti- two more Titans today. That was that positive. put them up to like 24, 26? Something, Something like, that? like that. Yeah. I mean, the NFL is in a tenuous situation right now because if Patrick Mahomes comes down with COVID, then the NFL is going to look very, very, very bad for playing that game on Monday night and just marching forward when they knew that the incubation period for this virus by all doctors and scientists has been, we've been told that five to 14 days is the incubation period for the virus. And to just you know, two days after the Cam Newton diagnosis of positive to just say we're playing this game and, you know, you know, COVID be damned and march ahead like la-di-da, nothing to see here. And if it affects the league's best player in the face of the league at this point, then, you know, that it, it's going to be the league and Roger Goodell and the league with that egg on their face. And, and that's a possibility now because I'll tell you the other thing that we're hearing now is that while so now there's three Patriots players that are tested positive. So there's Cam Newton, there's Stephen Gilmore, uh, reigning defensive player of the year for the NFL, and a Has practice two best players. 
Yeah, two best players for the Patriots and a practice squad player for the Patriots. So that's three Patriots. We're, I was told that, or I heard today, that there are there are other Patriots players that aren't feeling well. They, they tested negative for today, but there's Patriots players that aren't feeling well tonight. So watch out. I mean, it only makes sense because there was a they took a COVID plane on Monday. So all the people that were close to in contact with Cam Newton, and I guess Gilmore was one of them, those people took the COVID plane out of Providence while the non-COVID plane went out of Boston to Kansas City. So they spent eight hours, four hours to Kansas City, four hours back in a plane together. And, you know, so and that was Monday night and we're, we're at Wednesday night now. So you better believe that there's more, 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 most likely going to be more positive COVID test results coming forward from this Patriots team. And I think that the league saying that the, this week's Sunday Denver Broncos at New England Patriots game is just is going to go forward uh, as originally scheduled and planned. I, I think they're going to be uh, possibly need to check themselves on that because I, it just seems to me like the league is. I know that they're. I know that the league is. They own a day of the week and Sunday, and they're going to do what they want and. You know, virus be damned. It's the NFL. Screw off. We don't care. But if Mahomes gets sick, if half the Patriots or a third of the Patriots are, are sick, you know that's one of the league's biggest franchises. Um, I, I you're gonna have you have serious problems. Yeah, I mean, are the are the Texans gonna be able to play? Are the Chiefs gonna be able to play? Oh, you mean the Titans? Right, the Titans. Excuse me, right, because no, right, because the Titans had two. Right, like we said, they have two more positive results today. So they have a game this upcoming Sunday against Buffalo, and that game cannot be pushed to Monday because Buffalo has a game against Kansas City next Thursday. So they're not going to allow their game to be bumped a day from Sunday to Monday this coming week. So that Titans-Bills game this upcoming Sunday is also in question. Like you said, I mean, there is just it, – the league is operating uh, – it's just very – it's very touch and go right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, do they, so do they want to pause the season? Do they want to, you know, extend the Super Bowl by a month and add a couple of weeks to the end of the year, potentially? I, I don't know. Maybe you could do the playoffs in all uh, neutral sites down south. That They said that that is not an option that they're looking at. Like a bubble type situation. Not Excuse a bubble. Me. Not a bubble, but just... Um, you know, to mitigate having to play in those... Playing in February is just... Uh, up north is just cruel and unusual punishment. Like, well, that's people part of shouldn't the have to be up outside. That the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay, I, you know, it's, that gives them a little flexibility there. Uh, but they don't need to play it the first Sunday in February. They can definitely. There's a window where they can extend it by like at least a month, you know, or you know, a week, a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. They can extend it. I've heard that the NFL uh, has like booked out the hotels in Tampa that they're using for a month past when they expect to be there. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Just for, for, you know, mitigation purposes. But so, so what do you think are, are more, mo- most likely scenarios? Is it going to be push the Super Bowl back, add games to the end of the season? Is it going to be shorten the season? Is it going to be, no. Uh, cancel cancel games for for some teams and not others, and use winning percentage and for seeding purposes. What are, push back. What are 
What are our push, options here? Push back, and I think if I think push back a week, and then you don't even have to push the Super Bowl back a week. All you need, you could do is you know how there's a bye week between the championship games and the Super Bowl, so you can just push back the the championship games and the start of the playoffs a week, and basically have a week 18. And if there's games that are needed to play to determine playoff seedings, you can have those games that week. But the problem is it's not going to take much for there to be a team that's affected multiple times. Do you know what I mean? Like, so like the Titans are in the Steelers are already there. Now the Patriots, you know, so like those are three AFC teams that might have games that need to be made up. And, you know, it, the schedule gets conflicting at certain points. So, you know, a, a one week window to make it up might not be enough. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just I I think that the league did itself no favors by leaving by not setting themselves up for an out. You know, I mean, all they needed to do was to look at MLB and baseball and how that they did not choose to go with the bubble scenario, and everything was a mess for baseball. You got teams that played almost half of their games as seven inning games because all the, the St. Louis doubleheaders, the Miami Marlins doubleheaders, um, you got teams that didn't play the full 60 games. And, you know, th it was definitely not on the level across Major League Baseball. And if you think that that went off well, then you're mistaken because that was a shit show. Um, and I think that the bubbles did go well. So I think that the leagues that the leagues that planned that, that made the necessary alternate arrangements succeeded the best of their to the best of their ability the teams that are the leagues that are just ignoring it and just firing ahead at you know kind of la-di-da whistling past the graveyard are being punished for it and i think that it serves the league right in this scenario that of course this is going to happen of course like this is only week four now do you think that other teams that this isn't going to happen to other teams down the road no way. Of course it's going to happen to other teams down the road. And I don't know. That's This is why this is why the NFL was a candidate for fraud of the week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think you can do a bubble with football teams. If you think about the sports where the bubble worked, um, each hockey team was allowed 50 people. That is players and staff and equipment managers and coaching and everybody. 50 people, that was it. That's what they had, um, you know, for their bubble. That That's not even the roster of a yeah, NFL team. NFL much, is much, much, less, much more. Much less everybody else that you need to make an NFL operation work. You know, all of those trainers, all of those equipment managers, all of the, the um, front office Coach. people, the coaches, the, you know, everybody. And then... You know, basketball, what, what was it, like uh, 56 people were allowed? Something like uh, that? Yeah, not even at first. Not even. So I just don't see how you make it work with the num a bubble work with the, the number of people. Yeah, they're saying um, that's off the table. That's not yeah, even an option. No. I, I think in a they, – they need to consider it for – um, the playoffs, at least at least the last two rounds, um, though, because, God, I mean, how horrible would it be 
for the NFL, for the team, for the fans, for everyone, if in the conference championship, a team is basically disqualified because they can't play or they do play and then both both teams wind up getting COVID. You know what I mean? If they have something go wrong at the end stages of this thing, it is just going to be unsalvageable. Yeah. Well, they need to they need to find a way to get there first. And right now, that that's in doubt. So we'll see. You know, every every day, you know, it's like I was saying this thing I said to you guys the other day. It's like every day you wake up and it's like okay, um, what's going to be new in this edition of what the fuck am I waking up to today? You know, because it seems like every day there's something new, whether the president has COVID, you know, star player has COVID, team has COVID, you know, it's just some new bullshit every day that you wake up to. So, you know, that's where we're at today. Can't wait to see where we're at tomorrow. And in the face of all of this, uh, they can have full stadiums in Florida. (laughs) I know, that's the best. La-di-da, we're playing football. No one's going to tell me what to do. (laughs) Okay, well, speaking of football, I guess we better get to some actual football. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of go through the games here. Uh, we're without our uh, full complement of commentary this week, so we'll just kind of kind of glance over uh, the big highlights of week four. I got to say, Johnny, I like, I like the way my uh, Steelers performed uh, this week. Feel good about where we're at. Yeah, brilliant performance. Um, so much so that I can't even find them on the board. Yep, they've 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 flown off the board. There was we remain so we remain undefeated, which is all I asked for. Yeah, there you go. yeah. I I will say this though, like what a kick in the nuts it is to uh, get your bye week in week four. Okay, and I explained in in last week's episode how much that was going to hurt us because we were supposed to get a bye week after the Ravens game on week eight, which would have been literally the most perfect fucking time to have a bye week after playing the Ravens in the middle of the season. But, and you know, okay, week four bye week, we can handle that. Um, but they don't find out they're having a bye week until Friday. Like, uh, how horrible that, that must feel for all those players you know, usually you can do a little mini vacation, maybe not in COVID times, but at least you get to be home, unplugged from work, you know, heal your body, uh, heal your mind, and, and get ready for the 13 games in front of you. But that's not going to be the case, and uh, so we're going we're, to we're rolling with the week four by Deontay Johnson cleared the uh, concussion protocol. So hey, that's, that's great. There you go. There you go. There you go. Thursday night's game, thirty-seven to twenty-eight. The Broncos beat the Jets. This, I, you know what, I, I, this is gonna, you're gonna call me crazy here, which maybe I am. I enjoyed this game. <laughs> the game of the week. That the Thursday night game one. Remember we went into this game last week and we were like, what the hell? Another Thursday night shit special by the NFL. Denver against the Jets, two teams with no wins, and you know. I, I thought this game was kind of exciting. It was back and forth, and you know, and then it, you know the Jets failed, and Denver gets the ball back, and they they score a late touchdown. And even though they were trying to run the clock out, the Jets still the Jets couldn't even stop them, and they were just trying to run the clock out. And so Melvin Gordon runs for a long touchdown. But I thought this game was entertaining. I thought Rippon slung the ball all over the field, and um, 
once again, then another player gets hurt on MetLife Stadium as Noah Fant, the tight end for the Broncos, gets carted off. Uh, but and oh, and Sam Darnold, of course, is hurt too, and now he's oh my out. God. And so now it's uh, Joe Flacco time for the Jets. The one thing is that boy, the Jets are a mess. And I really thought Adam Gase would be the first coach fired, but I don't know. I guess we've already said too much about this game, but what? So 37 to 28 Broncos win. Um, it was definitely more exciting than I expected. Yeah. The Jets are just where good, young, talented quarterbacks go to die, huh? Yes. All right. Well, speaking of that, the Cardinals uh, at the Panthers losing 21 to 31. Yeah. So uh, the, the Cardinals train has hit a snag, and they've lost two in a row, and two games they should have won. They lose at home to the Lions, and then they they go and they let Carolina get their first win of the season against them. And so, you know, the 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 team of the, the – everyone's kind of sleeper team of the year, the Arizona Cardinals, who started out hot at 2-0 and are now 2-2, two and two, and they're sliding backwards. And they got to get the run game going. I don't know what the hell they're doing with Kenyon Drake. Um uh, I think that maybe they've become too predictable. On the flip side, we've been talking about Carolina and how even in defeat that they've been playing hard. And in this game, they continue to play hard. And they play hard for Coach Rule. And he seems to have his stuff together and a good system going. You know, it's only four games in for the for, for him as head coach of the Panthers. But you, know, you got to, if you're a fan, you got to like where the team's headed, especially without McCaffrey. That's all. Not much to say about this game except the Cardinals are – a little disappointing, and the Panthers, they're, while they're not good, they fight. All right. Another battle of the Cats here. The Jaguars heading into Cincinnati, and Joe Burrow pulling off his first career victory, 33-25. to 25. Yeah, so the Joe Burrow experiment for Cincinnati is going very well. He keeps passing for 300 yards every week, and he's getting better and better and better, and uh, he gets his first win of his NFL career after getting a tie against the Eagles the week before. And Joe Mixon went absolutely bananas in this game. He had been off to a slow start. And I think that, that you know, this week they, they got him the ball in space, which is what they want to do. Um, get him, you know, pass him, pass him the ball and use that offensive line and, and get him in advantageous situations. And, and they did. And so, you know, Mixon on the ground, Burrow in the air, Tyler – Tyler Tyler Boyd uh, is developed into the number one target in Cincinnati, and uh, T. Higgins, the rookie, looks really good. Um, on the flip side, A.J. Green looks like a shell of himself. I'm not really sure how much longer they're going to continue to go with him. He just It's like, whatever happened to this guy? How did he fail so fast, so quickly, so badly? So um, It's unfortunate if you're an A.J. Green, AJ Green fan over the years. But it is what it is. Uh, Cincinnati's got good things to look forward to. The offensive line looks good. Joe Burrow looks good. And uh, that's it. Maybe it's just a sign of my age now as, I, as I'm getting older and the kids coming into the league really do feel like kids to me. But I'm mm. a big fan of Joe Burrow, and mm. I want to see him succeed, and I was happy to see him get uh, his first win here. He looks good. He's so poised. I loved him at LSU. But speaking of other young quarterbacks in the division that I'm very fond of Baker Mayfield put in boot to ass 49 to 38 over the Cowboys. Maybe this is why Marty isn't here. Uh, seriously. This episode, so he doesn't have to answer to this bullshit. So the, the, this game, I think that the Browns are a team that we 
have ignored for a good reason because everybody was on their hype train last year and they failed miserably. But in the offseason, they enhanced their offensive line, getting Jake Conklin and uh, drafting Mims out of Alabama. And so they beefed up the offensive line and they said, we are going to run the ball and we're not going to let Baker Mayfield destroy our game plan on us. And that's what they're doing. So in this game, they went up 31 to 14 on the Dallas Cowboys early. And if you thought that OBJ looked faster this year than he did in the previous two years, you would, you would be correct. He is running <laughs> that end around, man. Holy oh, he shit. he maxed out at 16 miles an hour running, and that's faster than he's run in the last two years. So he was hampered by injuries the last couple of years. You know, so the thing with the Cleveland is they've got a great offensive line, like a fantastic, maybe top three, top five offensive line in the game. And they are just running behind it and they're not letting Baker Mayfield throw the ball 50 plus times times a game. They're, they're letting Baker Mayfield throw as needed. And other than that, they're just going to run the ball. And the defense is good, too, with Miles Garrett and, you know, do they have to hold on in some games? Yeah, of course. But Dallas has a high-powered offense, so they're going to put up points. And they especially did. Especially in garbage time. Especially in garbage time. Uh, but, yeah, OBJ was fantastic. The one bad spot for the Browns was they lost running back Nick Chubb with an MCL injury. Looks like he should be out about six weeks. So, But the good news is they have Kareem Hunt, who looked, who looked really good. So uh, Kareem Hunt and Dionis Johnson will be running behind that fantastic offensive line. And I think the formula that they have right now is a, a formula that's working. They're three and one. So good on the Browns. Next up, we have the New Orleans Saints at the Lions, 35 uh, to 29. The Lions find a, a way to blow another two digit lead. Third straight game that they've blown a double digit sixth, lead. Sixth straight game, Johnny, going back to last year. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. So. 35 to 29, the Saints pull it out in Detroit. Uh, took them a little while to get going without Michael Thomas, but they did. And uh, you know, a brutal mistake at the at towards the end by Stafford kind of, I think, cost the Lions. And I think the Lions are just one of those teams that they know how to, they, to lose. They know how to lose. They're good at it, and so they're going to keep doing what they do. And on the flip side, Drew Brees and the Saints, you know, they usually. If they don't find a way to win, they find a way to be there at the end. So, mm -hmm. Do you think if the Detroit Lions played the Atlanta Falcons that the universe huh. would just collapse upon itself because, you know, the paradox? Yes, because who would get the lead early? <laughs> and then blow it. And then blow it, yeah. <laughs> How All is right, that going to work? <laughs> the next game, uh, the Vikings continue their quest to turn their season around beating the Texans 31-23. to 23. Okay, so this turns out to be Bill O'Brien, the, the coach and the GM of the Houston Texans. And play uh, caller. Yeah, and play caller. This turns out to be his final game as a Houston Texan as they go on to lose at home 31-23. to 23. And this was a team, these battle of the two teams that each needed to find a way to get in the win column as they both came into this game 0-3. Vikings pull it out as the Texans are just disappointing. That's all you can really say about the, the Texans is I think the entire Bill O'Brien experience has been disappointing. While he leaves with a winning record as coach, I just find that 
the results never matched the talent on the field and they got to the playoffs for the last six years. But like I said, it's just, they, they never met or exceeded expectations. And I think when you have a, a stud star young quarterback like Deshaun Watson, a lot is expected, you know, and they're going to have to figure it out. In the meantime, it's going to be uh, Romeo Cronell. So I don't think a lot's going to change as far as the play design and, team philosophy because Cornell's worked with O'Brien and in that system for many, many, many years. So I wouldn't expect anything drastic to change except no more horrible Bill O'Brien decisions, which is a positive, I guess. So it turns out also that JJ Watt and Bill O'Brien got into a heated fight the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and I, you know, Houston loves JJ Watt. He's no, the face I, of the team. The face of the team, maybe face of the city. So, I think Bill O'Brien's days were numbered anyway, and that just was kind of icing on the cake. There you go. All right, Russell Wilson went into Miami. Uh, the Seahawks continued to dominate, thirty-one to twenty-three. MVP talk is really loud out there for Russell Wilson. Yes, the he's definitely MVP at this point of the year. Although winning a game against Miami can only hurt you, I think, right? Because <laughs> I think that he only threw two touchdown passes. And he had an interception. interception. And he had an interception. And, you know, it was against Miami. So Miami's got a young up-and-coming defense, though. No, they're not that good, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Chargers at the Buccaneers. Tom Terrific continues to impress and uh, get the ship righted. Uh, they still seem to be taking too many penalties for his liking and, and simple mental errors, but he's slowly whipping them into shape. I, I assume the beatings will continue uh, until morale improves. <laughs> yeah, so you know, if, if Brady threw another pick six in this game, which is just another strange trend that he's developed over his last few games, throwing pick sixes. Uh, but he moved on, ended up throwing five different touchdowns to five different receivers in this game, and the Buccaneers go on to win 38-31. to Buccaneers also have these injuries now, too. Godwin's hurt, and now, you know, McCoy's hurt. O.J. Howard tore, tore an Achilles in this game. So the injuries are mounting for the Buccaneers along with the penalties. Um, and the flip side, I thought Justin Herbert looked really good for the Chargers. You know, he kept them in this game. And they kept them competitive when I think a lot of people didn't think it would be that competitive. So this, good, this kid, good on him. This kid is not – I feel like he deserves a win and he's not getting one. Like he's really playing his nuts off. And the uh, the final score is not indicative of his performance in these games. Yeah. And then they also lost starting running back Austin Eckler for the next six weeks or so in this game, unfortunately. So that's going to hurt him. And he also – Herbert also played behind a really – brutally banged up offensive line in this game. You know, Pouncey was out along with a couple other guys on the offensive line. So so for them to hang in there in this game, I thought was impressive. Okay, and the Ravens uh, heading to Washington to play the football team, uh, beating <laughs> them 31-17. to 17. I don't watch this game. <laughs> did, they, <laughs> did the Ravens cover? Uh, the Ravens covered 31-17. to 17. There we go. That's all we needed to know. Yep. New York Giants in SoFi Stadium losing 
9-17 to to the Los Angeles Rams. So the Giants decided to run the ball in this game, but the problem is they ran it with no, with little to no success. Um, but the game didn't go as I thought. I thought this game would go way over the total. It wasn't. The Rams won 17-9 to was the final score here. You know, I guess when you run the ball, the clock's going to run, and there's going to be less plays in the game, and that's what's going to happen. And on the flip side, the Rams weren't that impressive at all offensively. They got a late touchdown to Cooper Cup, a long touchdown to seal the deal. But it was a ball game for a while, and I did not expect that. So good on the Giants for hanging in there. Um, good on them for going back to realizing that they can run the football. Um, I just think that they they did it too much and inefficiently in this game. And I think that they've got they've got to find a way to get a balance going. You know that because the week before was like all, all, you know, almost all passing. This week it was too much running, and I just think that, you know, you got you gotta, you gotta find a way to have a happy medium. You gotta mix it up in this league. You can't go one way or the other. You become too predictable, and if one if one side isn't isn't having success, you can't just keep doing it. You know, you have to be able to to mix it up and confuse the defense and. Until the Giants do that, I feel like they're going to continue to struggle offensively and struggle to win games. Mm -hmm. Moving on to our next game, the Colts beating the Bears 19-11. to Phillip Rivers uh, continuing to turn it around in Indianapolis. Okay, and in this game, I just think it was kind of boring, and I think that the Bears struggled to get anything going offensively. Um, as far as Nick Foles go, it was more of a defensive battle. Um, and then on the flip side, I think that what you saw is Jonathan Taylor struggling to be involved in the offense as far as the Colts go. Um, so the other running backs are getting involved as far as Niam Hines. They got Jordan Wilkins involved. And I'd like to see Jonathan Taylor get involved more in the passing, in the passing game. Um, once again, T.Y. Hilton was a big disappointment in this game, I guess. There's a stat that came out the other day that he hasn't had more than 87 yards in a game since Andrew Luck was quarterback for the Colts. So even Yikes. even though his grandma is razzing him about not being a good fantasy play, he's still not delivering. So it seems clear to me that Zach Pascal has become the number one receiver in Indianapolis, which is kind of a stunning development. Um, so until further notice, T.Y. Hilton has a, a downward pointing arrow next to his name. And the Colts, you know, they're the Colts. They're just there. Um, they have they're, – they're, they're okay, you know. They, is winning in Chicago a good win? You know, they were a slight favorite. So, you know, we'll see. It remains to be seen. It remains to be seen what, what Rivers and the Colts become and do. And I think the same with the Bears. Great. Next, we had Josh Allen and the Bills in Las Vegas winning uh, a little bit of a tight one, 30-23. So if it wasn't for Russell Wilson being the front runner for MVP so far, I think Josh Allen would be getting a lot of hype for MVP. Even though he hasn't played great, he makes a lot of mistakes. We saw Devin Singletary have a really good game in this one. Um, I think just think that the Raiders aren't that good, personally. I think that they're young. They're inexperienced. Uh, Carr himself makes a lot of questionable decisions. Um, 
I think that Jacobs is having a tough time running behind that offensive line. He's been tackled 12 times behind the line of scrimmage so far this year, which is a lot from only being four weeks into the season. Uh, so the offensive line is struggling, and the, the Raiders just lack weapons downfield. So you're going to continue to see Darren Waller get pounded with targets at tight end. Um, even Jason Witten had a touchdown this past week. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a good win for the Bills because it's on the road against a team that, you know, puts up a fight, but I just think isn't very talented. And uh, I think the defense is young, over-aggressive, and that can be used against them. So, and the Bills are 4-0, and and if if they get to it, there will be a big game against the Titans this week of two undefeated teams. If they get to it. If they get to it. Next we have the Eagles uh, at the 49ers. Uh, the Eagles and Carson Wentz pull out an ugly one, 25-20, uh, against the Junior Varsity San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, so a nice a nice comeback here by Carson Wentz late in the game uh, to pull out the victory at San Francisco, which I think a lot of people didn't expect. Uh, there was one insane touchdown by Brandon Ayuk, the rookie receiver for the 49ers, jumping over a guy to get in the end zone. But, yeah, I think Carson Wentz proving himself on Sunday Night Football with a late comeback win at San Francisco it was impressive. So good good for him. Um, I think the other thing on the flip side is Nick Mullins was the quarterback for the 49ers in this game. And if you remember a couple of years ago when he was the QB of the Niners, he was just pounding George Kittle with targets after target after target after target. And he did the same thing in this game, targeting George Kittle 15 times for 15 catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown. So if Mullins is the quarterback, you can, you can bet that George Kittle is going to have a big, a big impact in the game. And we already went over uh, a lot of the Pats Chiefs game, the ten to twenty six loss in Arrowhead Stadium. If they uh, had a competent quarterback, don't you think they would have won? Like if oh, they had yeah. Cam Newton or a competent, they, I mean, at at minimum, they would have been there at the very end of the game. It would have been a, like a, a game, a tie game, or a close game at the end, right? And at minimum. the moment that the Patriots turned it on, though. It seemed like the, the Chiefs came alive as well. And I sent so, you a text where I, I think... I saw that. I that saw the that. Chiefs don't start playing until there's, like, some resistance. I disagree on that because that's the third time now in the last four games that they, Belichick has played against Mahomes that he's held them without a touchdown in the first half. So, in my opinion, I think Belichick has, has a game plan that shut down Mahomes and Kansas City's offense for a while. But eventually, Andy Reid and Mahomes starts to figure it out. I don't think it's a matter of turning it on. I think they want to score early. They just can't because Belichick has it figured out. But eventually, Reid and Mahomes find a way to break it down. And, you know, in this game, it's what we thought it would be going in. So Belichick went with the four defensive linemen. So I think he saw what the Chargers did to the Chiefs two weeks ago. You know, you go with the four defensive linemen and seven defensive backs in this game and just kind of almost skip the linebackers all together and just play that way. And so, and if it wasn't for that horrible call by the referee who turned a interception that would have been maybe a touchdown uh, into a in-the-grass call and some horrible quarterback play by the Patriots, I think they would have won the game if not been there close at the end. So mm-hmm. that's, just my, that's just my read on the game. 
It, the, I, I like the, the quintessential quote unquote moral victory. I, I know, but I hate that because didn't the Patriots didn't we do that with the Patriots two weeks ago in Seattle when they were stopped at the one yard line at the end of the game? I'm not used to being a moral victory guy as a Patriots fan. More of a victory victory guy? Right. What does a moral victory do? It makes you feel what does that do? Is it like does <laughs> does that put you just like allow you to sleep to, at night? It's something no. to build on, Johnny. It's building blocks of success. I don't know. I just it it feels empty to me. <laughs> All right. Well, the Falcons didn't do what we uh, thought they were going to do. Uh, well, they still lost, but at no point did they have a lead. They lost in Lambeau uh, with no people. It was very strange. Uh, to, that to was look at. weird. That would, for me, that's been the weirdest stadium without fans so far. Sixteen to thirty. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers show continues. Yeah, and the Robert Tanyan, yeah, the tight end um, who used to be for the Detroit Lions, who didn't get much run for the Lions. Robert Tanyan scores three touchdowns this week, um, so he's got five touchdowns in his last three games. Uh, That's so good fantasy a, value, huh? A hot waiver wire ad this week, Robert Tanyan. Although, you know, I, I, Devontae Adams will be back soon, and I, I have a feeling once Devontae Adams is back, Tanyan may not be so hot. <laughs> <laughs> On the flip side, Julio Jones is is doing his best uh, AJ Green imitation, uh, kind of giving you a fantasy zero this year, and now he's hurt. Yeah, man, it has been a battlefield on the fantasy front, huh? Oh, and then so in the, on the and then also Calvin Ridley, who has had a huge start to the year, goes the game with zero catches for zero yards. So we've seen that over the years. After Julio being hurt. Julio Jones would have these games out of nowhere, and you'd be like, oh, man, this guy just disappears sometimes out of the blue. It's, it turns out that's not a Julio thing. That's a Matt Ryan Atlanta Falcons offense thing. Sometimes they just let their guys disappear. Frustrating. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that was week four. Let's take a look at week five and your picks against the spread. Take it away, John. As of today, so like we said earlier, things are changing rapidly. Every day brings a new set of issues to deal with. So as of Wednesday, October 7th, this is what we have. All right, so we'll start with tomorrow night's game, which is the Tom Brady Buccaneers, 3-1, and one, at the Chicago Bears, who are also 3-1. and one. Like we said earlier, the Buccaneers are dealing with their fair share of injuries. But I like Tom Brady in this game on a short week. Um, I think that the short week has never really bothered Tom Brady too much because he's one of the most prepared mentally quarterbacks in this game. And I mean, in this league. So I'm going to go Tampa Bay minus three and a half in this spot. It should be noted uh, in Marty's absence, I will be uh, picking for him in our contested picks. So uh, I, I agree with you there. Let's uh, go ahead and continue. Okay, next up, we move to Sunday, October 11th. Carolina Panthers are 2-2. Two and two. I'm sorry, I mentioned earlier that they got their first win of the year last week. I was wrong about that. They are now 2-2. Two and two. They travel to Atlanta, who is 0-4. But in this game, Atlanta is a minus 1.5 point favorite. Why? I think that... Right, and are they actually playing in the real... In Atlanta, where there are going to be fans? No. So the home field advantage isn't there, there. So I'm going to go Carolina, plus one and a half. I like this one. 
I, I just like the way Carolina's playing. I really do. Are there not going to be fans in Atlanta? Georgia, Georgia's not open. Um, maybe they'll have some, but like, it's not, it's not something where it's not noticeable. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. like you go to a stadium and there's 75,000 fans screaming against you. It's, it's not that. So I think that the home, the home field advantage has been a weird thing to factor in so far this year because it's been almost no factor. So yeah, I think you take that away. I like Carolina plus one and a half in this game. Great. Okay, next up, we're not sure if this game happens, but right now it's supposed to. Buffalo, the Bills are 4-0, and they're going to Tennessee to face the 3-0 Titans off a of COVID bye week, and there's actually no line in this game as of right now. Let's invent one. Uh, I would Buffalo say minus nine. No way. <laughs> it's got to be closer to even, man, right? You, this one's got to be even. Like, you think gotta, so? Yeah, I think – I mean, let's just see, like, what the picks are. So if I check the Bills – oh, the Bills are 68%, Titans 32% as far as the, like, you know, the Yahoo fans, what they think. So, all right, so we'll go Bills minus three. Bills minus three. I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and take that. Oh, man, I, I was thinking of going Tennessee, too, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you do that. That's fine. With, with John, congratulations. You're now a sports handicapper. I guess Where so. you go? Setting lines. Yep, so next up we have the Oakland Raiders, who are 2-2 two and two at the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 4-0. In this game, KC is minus 13.5-point favorites, and I'm taking them. I like KC. Minus 13 and a half. I think they started slow last week and they struggled offensively because they were going up against a tricky Belichick defense and Belichick secondary. Um, and one, one other thing is, so the Patriots have the highest paid positional group in the entire NFL. The Patriots secondary is, of all the positional groups in the NFL, the highest paid group. So Belichick has been preparing for the Chiefs for the last year plus. You know, making sure his secondary is paid and up to snuff. So that's another thing to take into effect is that their their secondary is is ready is built for the Chiefs. Um, not every other team is built like that, and I think that the Chiefs are going to find it much easier sledding against the Raiders than they did against the Patriots. So I like KC minus thirteen and a half in this game. I kind of like it a lot too. Okay, next up we have the Arizona Cardinals, two and two, traveling to New York. And they're going to play the 0-4 Jets. And in this game, Arizona is minus 7. Uh, they're going against Joe Flacco, not Sam Darnold, because Darnold's hurt in this game. It's odd to see the, Carolina, the Cardinals team minus 7-point favorites. But the way the Jets are playing, I just don't see any will on that team. And do I think that Flacco is the guy to ignite some hope into that team? I don't. So even though Arizona's been struggling, I'm going to go with Arizona minus 7 here. Okay, and also if we could get a little prop bet going, who do we want to put money on to get injured on the MetLife field? I know, I know. I don't even want to think about that. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> like like Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, like Larry Fitzgerald, who's it going to be? Kenyon Drake? Yeah, no, I, I'd rather not play that game. Or, or Chandler Jones? <laughs> We're not playing, know. but I am going to name seven players. 
Yeah, I just think that the man. I mean, that's another thing. Like, if it wasn't for the COVID thing, that'd be one of the bigger stories of the NFL this year. Is that that field? It's just taking big names out on a weekly basis. Like, enough already. Do something. Fix it. It's unnecessary to have a field like that. All right, moving on to the Battle of Pennsylvania. We have the Eagles, who are one, two, and one, at. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 3-0, and Pittsburgh is minus 7-point favorites in this game. I personally think that Pittsburgh might be a little rusty coming off a bye in this, this week. I think that the Steelers are not like Kansas City and the Chiefs, who come, off the, come out of byes like gangbusters. I think the Steelers, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, have always been a team that kind of stumbles off of out of buys, gets off to a slower start. And I think that – I do think that they'll win, but I think the Eagles will cover the seven in this game. So I'm going Philly plus seven. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. So what may help us here is the fact that they didn't get a real full uh, bye week. They, you know, True. Yeah. They, got, they got basically uh, Friday to Monday off, uh, and then they were back to work for – uh, getting ready for this game. So I'm going to take the Steelers here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hope for a big game and that we can keep the momentum going. We had we had some really good stuff going and a lot of players improving and a lot of timing getting better. So so maybe the Steelers get even better with uh, a couple weeks of practice under their belt and, and Ben can uh, continue to knock off some of that rust. Okay. All right, next up we have the L.A. Rams, 3-1. and one traveling to uh, Washington to face the former Redskins, the football team, who is 1-3. The football team will not have Dwayne Haskins. They'll have uh, Kyle Allen at the helm to play quarterback in this game. Uh, the Rams are minus 7.5-point favorites. And I like the football team, the Redskins, plus 7.5 in this game. Oh, well, okay. I'll take uh... – the Rams minus seven and a half. Okay. We, we've learned, John, to never bet on the football team. <laughs> but I don't know. I think Ron Rivera and Kyle Allen had a good thing going in Carolina for uh, like, you know, a couple weeks last year. And I think there's a reason why he brought, him, brought Kyle Allen to Washington because he likes him and he sees something in him. And I don't know. I just, I, I think that. And I think that the Rams are a little young and amateur and are not veteran enough to go on the road and just demolish a team. I think that they're going to, you know, push and pull a little bit. And I just – that's my that's my forecast. All right. All right. Next up we have the Joe Burrow Cincinnati Bengals who are now 1-2-1 one, and one, going into Baltimore to face the 3-1 and one Ravens. Big um, divisional game. Well, and the other thing is, so it's not huge news, but small news. Lamar Jackson missed practice today with, um, I think, an ankle injury, and they say it was just kind of a maintenance day, which is, you know, not too unusual, but something to watch out for there. In this game, the Ravens are 12.5-point favorites. I like Cincinnati in this game. Cincinnati, even when they're bad, even in the Andy Dalton bad years, They've always played the Ravens tough. And A.J. Green's always had his best game against the Ravens, believe it or not. So maybe we see a resurgence out of him, although I doubt it. Um, but I do think that 
the offensive line, the running game, and quarterback. Uh, I think the team is playing well. I like the uh, Bengals plus 12.5 in this game. I like them a good amount, and I like the over as well in this game. So that's Cincinnati plus 12.5. I'm, I'm tempted to jump on that, but we'll, we'll have to see how the rest of these games uh, get Okay. All right, next on the docket, we have the 1-3 Jacksonville Jaguars at the 0-4 Houston Texans. In this game, the Texans are minus 6.5-point favorites. I think that the Texans are going to say, Woohoo! He's finally gone. Now we can play well. Now we're freed up. I'm going Houston minus 6.5 in this game. I think that they're happy O'Brien's out of the way. I think it opens them up. I think I think that this is going to do something to them. I feel like regardless of sport, you often see uh, teams going a little run after they fire a coach. Yeah, true. All right, so next on the docket is the 1-3 and three Miami Dolphins at the San Francisco 49ers, who are 2-2. Two and two. Uh, There is a chance Tua is active for this game, not starting, you know, but he could come in. Uh, it might be his first game active. San Francisco is minus nine-point favorites in this game. I don't know the status of Jimmy Garoppolo, but regardless, it's a little tricky without knowing the status of the Garoppolo. Um, so I, either way, I'm, I'm going to go San Francisco minus nine, but I don't feel great about it, especially after they lost at home to the Eagles last week. All right, next up we have the Indianapolis Colts, 3-1, and one, at the Cleveland Browns. We're also three and one in this game. Indianapolis is minus one and a half point favorites. I am going with the Cleveland Browns plus one and a half. I think I am hopping on the Cleveland bandwagon. Gross. Probably. That division's tough, huh? Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cleveland. I mean, that's a division that's going to be. We we said this last year that the, that division is going to be tough for. The next five, five or so years. I'd like to see uh, New England have the success they had uh, when they're not just beaten up on the New York teams. Yeah. All right. Uh, next on the docket is the 0 and 4 New York Football Giants at the Dallas Cowboys, who are 1 and 3. Dallas is minus nine and a half in this game. The Giants usually play the Cowboys close, tight games. These teams don't like each other. And the Cowboys are not one to cover their spread. The Cowboys are a team that messes around a lot during their games. They love to just screw around. So <laughs> they do. That's their thing is they just mess around. They, I don't know what they're doing, but they're messing around and they're not, they're not doing the, you know, they're not doing what they should be doing. That's, I think Marty would be the first one to tell you is, is they're a team that just constantly does not fulfill all right, so with that said, I'm going to go the Giants, plus nine and a half. I really want to take the Cowboys here on Marty's behalf, but yeah, I just do not believe in them. Yeah, I got a lot of – I got some bad teams on my, on my sheet, but you know what? That's why they make the line, even it out, so we'll take it. All right, next on the docket we have, if this game even happens, the one and three Denver Broncos at the two and two – New England Patriots, and another one because we don't know if Cam Newton's playing. So we do not know who's going to be starting quarterback in this game. So we do not have a line in this game. Uh, it could be Cam. It could be Hoyer. It could be Stidham. 
I don't. I, I. I honestly have no, no idea, at this point in time. But I would say if it's Cam Newton, the Patriots are nine and a half, ten point favorites. I think if it's Stidham or Hoyer, I would say they're five and a half, six point favorites. Um, I think that the Broncos are dealing with a lot of injuries. But like I said earlier in the year, I like the way that Denver plays as a team. I think that they. And I like the way they played last Thursday against the Jets. I just feel like that there's some fight to them, and I, and I and I enjoy that out of a football team. You like to see that. It means that usually means that there's good things coming. I don't think that they're going to win, but I think that let's just say the line is nine. I'd say the Patriots are minus nine in this game. Um, if Hoyer, uh, if Hoyer Stidham's the quarterback, I'll, I'll take the points easily. If the spread is six. I'll probably go Patriots. So I don't know. Let, I'm just gonna let's just do this. Let's let's cut it in half. Let's go. Uh, let's go Denver plus eight. Just, how's that? Does that seem fair? You're taking Denver plus eight. Yeah, Denver plus eight. I'll I'll take New England there. Not knowing who's quarterback. I mean, that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, if it's Cam, you you should be golden. Right, but even if it's not, I think. Bill's going to learn a lot from this experience out, and he's going to come back with a more idiot-proof plan for these guys. Yeah, good point. Okay. Next on the docket, we have the 1-3 Minnesota Vikings um, traveling to Seattle against the 4-0 Seahawks for Sunday Night Football. It's Seattle minus 7 in this game. And in this game, I like the Vikings quite a bit. So I'm going to go Minnesota plus 7 in this game. They may not win. But I think they cover the spread. And I think the lack of the 12th man, I think that the Vikings cover the spread. That's my bottom line here. Great. Minnesota plus seven. All right. And the last game of the week is the one and three L.A. Chargers at the New Orleans Saints, who are two and two from Monday Night Football. The Saints are minus eight. Drew Brees doesn't look like the same Drew Brees. Michael Thomas hasn't been not sure if he's going to play. Uh, Justin Herbert has been playing well. Jeez, this is a tricky one. Um, Drew, Brees, Drew Brees always plays well on Monday night. So I'm going to go New Orleans minus eight here. And I will take the Chargers to cover. Yeah, yeah that's not bad because the Chargers do have a good defense, you know, generally. So they could they could contain them a little bit, especially if there's no Michael Thomas. All right, and the two teams on buys this week are the one and three Detroit Lions and the four and zero Green Bay Packers. So uh, hopefully we'll see them in week five, as long as they can behave themselves. And that wraps up the week five slate. Okay, sounds great. And uh, we'll get Marty uh, in next week, and we'll tally up the scores. Uh, I don't have any of those figures right in front of me, uh, but that'll do it for today. And, yeah, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure to follow us on the stuff, uh, like, comment, subscribe, all those things. And, uh, and get a hold of Johnny on Twitter, at GreenMTGrinder. Yeah, that's it. Johnny, thanks for listening. have a good week. You too, my man. Stay safe.